Lawmakers in Pennsylvania are voting to end the emergency disaster. Predictions on real estate tech a year from now and how real estate teams have pivoted in the COVID-19 pandemic. Lot to unpack here on Tool Time. So we are half back in the office, still virtual. Next week, we got the real set coming back soon. Very excited. It's Tool Time. I'm Tom Tool. She is Jess Lyon. We got a lot to cover here today. So Jess, first topic, number one, we're still talking about the Pennsylvania government. Right now, according to all the major news sites that are out there, Pennsylvania lawmakers, meaning the House and the Senate, are voting to end the COVID-19 emergency disaster, but Governor Wolf says it's not over. What do you think about all this? I don't know about you, but after reading this article, I was left confused because can he, can, can he just continue this thing of we're not being open, we're remaining closed, and is, is he gonna listen to this bill at all? Or uh, it's just, gray, it's confusing, what's going to happen? I feel like the voice of the people who are actually living in Pennsylvania is not being heard. Businesses, they, they want to open and they want to adapt and they want to do it in a safe way for everyone. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's, this was, left me really confused. I don't know which direction we're, we're going. Are we gonna be in green on June 19th, which is in like eight days? I don't know. And what's the difference between now and eight days from now in the group? So it's just a big question mark, like it has been for the past three months. So you, you, you took the words right out of my mouth there. It's a great observation on your part that it is confusing. Nobody really knows. One correction I'll give you, this is a resolution. It's not a bill. Okay. And the argument right now is that they, um, the GOP controlled assembly. So it's the Republican majority in the House and the Senate. Yep. They passed a resolution that directs the governor to issue a proclamation or executive order to end the disaster emergency um, that was issued on March 6th, then he renewed on June 3rd. And what the lawmakers are saying on the Republican side is that the governor has no power to veto the resolution, even though Governor Wolf says that's exactly what I'm going to be doing. Uh, and there's a question here. Apparently, according to Article 3, Section 9 in the state constitution, um, it states that every order, resolution, or vote shall be presented to the governor, and before it shall take effect, be approved by him or disapproved, shall be repassed by two-thirds of the House uh, of the House and the Senate. You guys know the rest. So he's basing it on that article of the Constitution that he's going to just veto it and, and turn it down, even though it's a resolution, not a bill. Republicans in the House insist that the section of the Constitution doesn't apply and say a different section gives them the authority to terminate. And they're maintaining that the governor uh, is compelled by the resolution to rescind his declaration and say there's no opportunity for the governor to veto it. So this is going to court, is my prediction. They're going to got to fly in front of your face there or something. I'm just saying it's going back and forth, back and forth. And like, what's the actually, how long is this going to take? probably when we're in the green phase. This is why I hate politics. Yeah. So much back and forth and so much talk and so little action, which is against everything I'm physically made of. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm all about like, all right, great idea. Let's implement, let's go. Yeah. So, you know, who the hell knows what's going to happen here? There's a Duquesne law professor 
um, that teaches constitutional law. And apparently there was a 1985 Superior Court decision on similar language on state criminal sentencing guidelines that let the legislature rescind or modify them by concurrent resolution. In that case, that was tried back in 1985, the court found the legislature's action uh, on the guidelines wasn't a lawmaking action that would be submitted to the governor for approval. So that's why I said resolution at the beginning, Jess, because this isn't like a bill going into law. Yeah. It's a guideline. And instead, the execution of the power reserved by the legislature had to be by the underlying law. So uh, he would have had to veto the law that created the process. So, you know, you can read through all this. Who the heck knows what's going to happen? Here's what I do know. This is something that there's a lot of pressure to ease up in Pennsylvania here now. People are sick of being closed. Businesses are closing their doors for good. There are so many restaurants that are never going to reopen again. Places that I knew about that I wanted to go to. And yeah. guess what? They're done. And they're out of business because not only were they closed for eight, nine weeks, a lot of these places got looted the past couple of weeks. And now they're destroyed. So they have no revenue for nine, 10 weeks. And now someone went in and destroyed your restaurant. That's game over for a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of what happens here, I mean, and this reminds me very similar to our real estate crusade we were on through March, April, and May, which is push, push, push. And then finally some law gets on his desk and it's like a bipartisan law. And this was also passed by, bipartisan, by a bipartisan vote. All of a sudden he said, hey, I don't like the bill and I'm going to change the guidelines and give them what they want anyway. And I just wonder how this is going to all play out. I mean, we're seeing restrictions get lifted on, on a daily basis here. And I can tell that the energy is different just from the day to day. I mean, the fact I'm yeah. back in the office, I'm wearing my normal clothes, you know, things are happening here. I mean, we got the masks and all that stuff. My door's closed here in the office for anyone that's wondering. So we're, we're protected. We're safe. Right. You know, it just looks like this is going to be something that it's going to be a long drawn out battle and it's probably going to resolve itself before it even goes to court. Probably. I'm with you on that too. However, these people do have a duty to their constituents. I mean, they got to get reelected. So I, I get what's going on. This is why I hate politics. Like, you can't just make a decision in like five or six days. It's got to be this ridiculous. Drawn out. So people right. don't like politicians. So that's that. Topic number two, we'll call it real estate related. Mm -hmm. So, what does real estate tech look like a year from now? There was a, a great article that came out um, and some information that came out from Inman and some other places because real estate agents had to, had to pivot so much over the past 10, 11, 12 weeks. Is the process going to change? What's real estate tech going to look like? And what are the pivots that teams have made to remain relevant during all this? And it was, it was a lot of great ads there, a lot of great ideas, whether it's like virtual open houses, online client meetings with Zoom, remote closings. What do you think about all this, Jess? Well, as I was reading through all of these things that were going to be coming in a year. I was like checking it off. I was like virtual 3D or 360 home tours. We do that. Um, virtual open houses. We do that now. Online client meetings. We do that now. Remote closings. Yes. So I was like, this isn't happening in a year from now. This is happening right now. And what's going to be happening in a year from now is totally different from this. So I, I think this was a little bit off as it, it did say this pandemic will accelerate the technology and where things were going. It's here. It's right now. So I don't know what's going to happen in a year, but we're already at what this article is talking about. The only thing that I didn't 
really agree with was where it said agentless transactions. And I'm never going to agree with that because yeah, you may, we've talked about this in the past. You might see that for an investor or something like that, but I'm always going to want, if I'm a buyer, someone representing my best interest. And if I'm a seller, someone representing my best interest, I don't want to just go straight to the seller straight. Uh, you know, that would never work for me. Yeah. The, the, the article about tech, I mean, that, that to me was to be very clear, it was kind of yesterday's news. I mean, this all the people that now, for the vast majority of realtors, it might be yesterday's news to us because from day one, it was like, what are we going to do? How are we going to pivot? Here's the plan. Here's what's going to go on versus some agents. They just said, hey, talk to me in 10 weeks. I'm on vacation. I'm not going to work. I'm going to collect unemployment. That happened a lot. And so for those people, they have a 10 week learning curve and we're already ahead of them. And that's going to be the majority of teams that are out there, which kind of leads in the next article, which I'll touch on in a second. Yeah. Uh, so to me, this stuff is, we're still doing Zoom meetings right now because we can meet in person. And I guarantee you, the agents that went on the buy side, they're going to be the ones leveraging technology the most. The sell side, people want you to come see their house and you don't necessarily have to do that. I've listed and sold homes that I walked through on a video when this all happened. The, the home's already under contract. Talk to the sellers many times. The rapport's there. I can do that on a video call. That hasn't been the problem. On the buy side, that's where a lot of the time-sensitive stuff is. So if someone wants to meet you for, hey, here's how the buying process works, and the buyer just wants to go see some properties, whoever's embracing the Zoom meeting for a consultation, I think every buyer agent should be doing that first instead of getting them to come to the office because Absolutely. it builds rapport. It builds interaction. They feel like they can trust you. So those are the things that I, I see that, that should already be happening. The, the article that was written on Teams was by Chris Lindahl. So you probably don't even know who Chris is. He runs one of the biggest teams in the country. Uh, they're in Minnesota. You probably do know him. If you remember when the Eagles beat the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC Championship, there was a billboard that said, purple's better than green, and some guy going like this, that was Chris Lindahl. And he's lucky he didn't get his ass kicked in Philadelphia. <laughs> and I noticed he only stayed on I-95 when he took the picture. Crazy marketing, love what he did there. They just got their asses kicked. Uh, but that's, you know, that's in the past. Everyone knows how the game went. So uh, the point is, he runs a large team. I mean, they do hundreds of transactions. Um, I, I know a lot of people that work with him on a coaching level, on a consultant level. I've worked with them too. And he brings up a couple really good points that right now, the way things are going, one, it's not 2008. That was his first point. And we've talked about this at length. I've done many shows about this on Tom's Take or on Agent Hacks, that this is going to be a short-term pause, not a three, four-year recovery. And we're already kind of seeing that now that we're, what, three weeks into this, Jess? I mean, I think that, that that's a fair observation because people are ready to jump back into the market. And where team structures are winning is that they are being able to respond faster. They're getting people what they want faster. Speed to lead. The phone goes off. You have to get on the phone with Zillow. Responding right away. I'm talking, and I'm talking like 10, 15, 20 minutes max, not minimum, max. And an individual agent just can't do that. And what he also says, which I love, is that the human element is still going to be important here. There are too many people that rely on text and email rather than getting on the phone or getting face-to-face -face like this and someone hearing the sound of your voice seeing how excited you are about working with them. And that's a component that people at their core, their social beings, they're going to want that. 
You got nothing to say? I, I did. I said it all right there, Jess. <laughs> no, no, you were, you were lagging on me there a little bit. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I think that the reason why, like he's saying, teams are winning is because they do. They can get back to their clients right away or anybody who's interested in a property. They really have a system in place for the whole transaction. But the real reason here is because I believe that teams are built on a foundation. We have our core values, things that we practice every single day, you know, working with integrity, um, service, um, all the other ones, um, professionalism. There's two more. <laughs> but I really really well. They must know us really resonate with you. <laughs> they do. Well, working with integrity and um, service, those are the ones that really, really resonate with me because I like to, you know, get the story of the clients that I'm working with and why, why am I helping them? Why are they looking for a home? And you have to be human in this. And I really think that is why teams with the foundation of the core values, which we have, are winning. For sure. And, and, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that are dysfunctional. It's all about one person at the top. They, 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 they're, they're team only in that they use the name team. They don't embody the sense of a team. So I, I agree with you there. Um, and anytime that happens, that's going to be a business that's short-lived. So no, no, no question about it. So, you know, in terms of the future, I see more of this stuff happening. And then also teams giving their people the tech and the tools to do it and give them the right hunting grounds to go hunt and hunt at a high level. And that, that's really what I see happening here because individual agents don't want to make the investment. They're too afraid to sometimes. And they get paralyzed by fear. And then they just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over again for 20 years and don't make any progress. Absolutely. All right. Time for a quote. So if you don't know who Ray Dalio is, Google him. Google him. Um, so Ray Dalio is one of the best business minds I've ever seen in my lifetime. He wrote a great book, Principles. And really, you know, when you, when you look at, I mean, he has so many great things that he says here. To pick one quote um, is tough. This one really stuck out to me, um, is that the more you think you know, the more closed-minded you'll be. What do you think about that, Jess? It brings to mind the other quote is, the only thing that I know is I know nothing. You always have to come from a place of learning and wanting to know more because the moment that you think you know everything is the moment that you miss something and then you're going to get whacked back down a few notches on your totem pole. And If you're coming from this place of, I need to learn, I need to know more, it's just going to expand your world so much more. For sure. And, and you see those people like, I've been doing it this way for 20 years, or this is just how I do things, or this is the best way to go about it. That's not going to be someone that evolves. And the people that don't evolve end up playing their greatest hits for the rest of their life. And you're laughing, but let's, I mean, all you end up doing is the same stuff over and over again. And to embrace that you don't know things, to embrace conflict, meaning there's a better way to do this or I can improve this system. You know, when you think you're doing things right all the time, you're probably doing them wrong 90% of the time. And, you know, the folks that don't work on their skills or don't, don't go to seek knowledge or do skill building or self-development, that's the ones that are going to plateau in life. So, Ray, I mean, he, the, the stuff he says is profound. Um, yeah. If you're, you like business, you're interested in business, highly recommend you read his books. That was one quote I, I post on my, and you've probably seen this on Instagram all the time. Like he's a great follow on Instagram. We're going to put it in the, uh, in the, in the story here where stuff that he posts on Instagram, like it's like changed the course of our business in, in like crazy ways. Like one of his principles is 
You can't put loyalty ahead of what's best for the company. I mean, that is so true. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, maybe I need to start thinking differently about stuff. So all these things that are out there, you know, he's a great follow. So highly, highly recommend him. And more importantly, do what he says and know that you don't know everything. Absolutely. And I really do feel like this applies to everything going on in the world today too. If you have a fixed mindset or your set of beliefs, try and look at the other side of the story for where someone else is coming from and coming from a place of, you know, educate me, tell me your point of view. And that will really open up um, a few doors with you working with people as well. Get out of judgment and into curiosity. Yes. Catch you guys next week. Special Friday edition. Take care.